Welcome to Church Unfiltered with Dr. Anthony Cobbs, a leadership podcast brought to you by Breakthrough Ministry Consulting. Hey, welcome to Church Unfiltered. I am your host, Dr. Anthony Cobbs. And of course, we are always powered by Breakthrough Ministry Consulting. We are here to help you to help others. One of the things that we do here on each podcast is we want to make sure that we answer your questions. If you have questions that you want to get an unfiltered answer to, please feel free to email your questions to info at breakthroughonline.org. That's info at breakthroughonline.org. And we'll try to get your question answered. We have a couple of great questions that were sent in. Um, by a minister here in Texas that wanted to know these two questions. So we wanted to we want to focus in on, on these two questions from this particular minister. The first one is this. What are the advantages and disadvantages of implementing secular leadership concepts in the church setting? What an incredible question. And that is uh, secular leadership concepts in the church setting. Now, of course, without having full detail of what this question entails, I'll go off of what I believe this particular person is asking. I know that in leadership, there are some universal principles. It doesn't matter if you are in the education field. It doesn't matter if you're in politics, whatever the case may be. There are some universal leadership principles that apply to any type of leadership and we can learn from each other. There are some basic leadership theories that we can understand about how people lead, why they lead the way that they lead, why they're wired the way that they are. And so there's some things we can learn from each other from basic leadership principles. Now, it's important for us to understand that in a church setting, it's always it's not always applicable for us to take some of the principles that are practiced in the corporate world, for instance, or even the military or education and apply them to a church setting. There's always some different nuances in a church setting. But there are some basic principles that can be learned. For instance, the whole concept of servant leadership. Servant leadership is a leadership style, a leadership model, if you will, that suggests that people lead from the back or lead from behind. In other words, you empower the people that are following you instead of you making them follow you, you get and rally behind them and their skill sets and help them to achieve the goals that you that are set forth. Uh, that is a principle that is applicable in any setting. You can use those uh, those tools, those methods to be able to help people in any setting, especially in a church setting. But there are some things that, that come in a corporate setting, for instance, how you discipline, how you manage or supervise people. You may have to do things a, a slightly different in a church setting. That's why it's so important to make sure that you have the right staffing, that you have an HR person, that you have uh, you have individuals who can help you to be able to separate what I call the pastor's heart uh, from things that really need to be done. For instance, the pastor's heart may interfere or intervene when there's some discipline or there's something that needs to take place in the life of a person that is working on staff or a person who needs to be reprimanded or corrected. A lot of times what happens is that we in the church setting, we allow things to go on way too long because we don't want to hurt people. We don't want to offend. 
And so there are some things that we can learn from the secular leadership principle. The Bible even tells us that the people, that the children of the world are sometimes wiser than, than the children of God. There's some things we can learn from secular leadership and books and resources that are out there that can help us to be better leaders. So that's how I want to answer that question specifically, that if it is helping you to be a better leader or to make better, wiser decisions, then it is beneficial for you. But if it is something that is taking the church leader away from the the principles and the mandates that are found in scripture that are expected of us as children of God, then it's probably not best for us. Paul said it himself that all things are expedient. I can do whatever I want to do, but they're not necessarily all things are permissible, but they're not necessarily good for me to do. All right. The second question, the second question is this. This is a good one. Has the negative aspects of social media invaded the church? And if yes, how can leadership help navigate the church back to God? How timely is this question? The question is timely because we are in a season right now where we're going through um, a societal crisis, if you will, that is causing the church to have to use social media. It is causing the church to use this tool. And that is exactly what social media is, is nothing but a tool. But now the church is almost being required to use it because of the pandemic that is taking place in the country at this time. The negative aspects of social media. Of course, we know people get addicted to social media. People tend to vent um, and, and, and share things on social media that they probably shouldn't. There's even been research that has suggested that people become depressed because they are comparing themselves to what is happening to others on social media. You all know we all post the best things that we want to post. We want to post our vacations. We want to look our best. That's the things that we are posting. We're not posting uh, ourselves at our worst. And so what ends up happening is we begin to compare ourselves to others. So there's been research done on that. But social media is a tool that can be used, number one, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that won't set foot in a church. So there are some negative aspects, but there definitely are positive aspects of social media in the church. And once again, I believe it is all about moderation. If you spend too much time on social media, using it to to uh, to do trivial things, for instance, pumping up an individual or uh, playing around, playing games or insulting others. There's been a lot of that happening on social media lately where people have been bashing other churches and pastors for decisions that they have made. That's using social media irresponsibly. But if you use it as a tool and as a method to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be able to spread love, to be able to meet people, interact with people, then it is a benefit to it. So I think that that's all really the answer to the question is, is how is it being used? You have to be strategic in making sure that you use social media to glorify God like you do anything else. And if it is deviating from glorifying God, then it needs to be reexamined. Don't get rid of it. Make sure that you reexamine it and get back and recalibrate and get back on track with what you should be doing with social media. It's a great tool. I use it. We're on all the platforms. I'm all over the place. 
but I make sure that I'm being responsible with my use of social media. Two great questions, but thank God for these questions. Now we are going to get right into our content of the day. Today, we're going to be talking about the subject of how do you communicate in the midst of a crisis? Here we are in the middle of what is called COVID-19 or coronavirus, a pandemic, an outbreak that has taken place over the past few weeks. And events have been canceled. The NBA shut down with only a handful of games left in the season. Hollywood actors are testing positive and travel is slowing to a halt. Across the land, pastors and church leaders are seeking answers to how they will approach church service and meeting the needs of the congregation. The truth be told, communication during a crisis time is one of the most difficult and delicate things to do. So here, I want to suggest five steps. I want to suggest five things for us to consider as we are communicating during a crisis. Number one, first of all, you have to acknowledge the crisis. As leaders, we can't bury our heads in the sand. If something is wrong, it is our duty to at least respond. To acknowledge the crisis, we have to first and foremost inform ourselves about the nature, severity, and recommendations being made about the issue. Not saying anything is a bad approach as the congregation or our organization, our followers need to hear from their leader. We can record a simple video, send a mass email, but we have to say something. And we have to use words such as this. We have to use phrases, statements such as this. As you know, in, we're in a situation none of us have been in before, and things are changing day by day. What's so significant about that particular statement is that it is acknowledging the crisis itself. Ignoring the problem will not look good, especially if the problems worsen, which is what we have experienced over these past few days. So we have to acknowledge the crisis. It will not just go away, magically go away or disappear. We have to make sure we take it and address it head on. Second thing that we have to do to communicate in a time of crisis is that we have to consider all options. Consider all options. Crises are dealt with in a number of ways. I've had experience over the course of 25 years of ministry. I've dealt with so many different types of crises, but even in executive roles, I've had to deal with things from floods to to power outages across the city to to hurricanes and now even in pandemic outbreak. Uh, it is wise to seek opinions from other churches, pastors, government officials and even the members of the church in order to get opinions that are more diverse and more even in more informed than your own. I remember during Hurricane Harvey, I was living in Houston at the time, and I will never forget that Lakewood Church took a major public relations hit for making the decision to not open its doors. I felt so bad for Lakewood officials because those of us who lived in Houston and those of us who were part of the church world, we knew something that the rest of the country didn't know. We knew that most of the churches in Houston had not opened their doors during the early moments of Hurricane Harvey. Now, in fairness, we were all trying to figure out what was happening. We were trying to figure out what to do. And we were following the lead of, of government 
uh, agencies and and the mayor and whatever was happening. So we were we were trying to be as informed as possible. But we knew that it was more than Lakewood Church. But Lakewood Church was the one that the Internet took a hold of and it went viral that they had not opened up their church. After seeing Lakewood's backlash, most of the churches in Houston decided to open up their doors or make sure that they didn't catch some of the same things that Lakewood caught. The point is, our response as leaders in the church especially has to be based upon reliable information, careful consideration, and guidance from wise counsel. You have to make a decision that is right for your congregation. On social media these past few days, we've seen people giving their opinions and telling other pastors what they should do. You have to make the decision that is right for your congregation, because guess what? You're the one that has to lead them when this crisis ends and we pray that it will end soon. You're the one that has to answer to your congregation. In making sure that we are communicating effectively in the crisis, the third thing that we need to do, or another thing we need to do, is be clear about the decision that we make. Once you have decided what option works best for you and your church, you've got to move with precision and clarity. The more specific you are, the better. This is what separates a lot of us from uh, the opportunity to be able to lead organizations and lead well. Making these decisions are often stressful, difficult, and just downright hard to do. But we have to be clear about the decision that we make. We have to make sure that we're not wavering. The Bible tells us that it's important for us not to be like a wavering man that is, is like a ship that is tossed to and fro. You've got to make sure that when you decide upon an option that you want to go for, that you stick with that decision and you make sure that you stand on what you have decided. As leaders, we often try to protect our people from too much information. We feel like if we share too much information, we might cause them to panic. And usually what ends up happening is we don't provide enough information. And we have to be careful, of course, of the information that we share. But please make sure you understand that your people can handle it. Go ahead, talk about it, be open, be honest, and share the information that needs to be relayed. Your crowd can handle it. Be clear about your decision. Be specific. And go ahead. what goes hand in hand with that is number four of, of the steps for communicating during a crisis. You need to be able to explain why you made that decision. Now, get this. You need to understand you will not please everyone with the decisions that you make, but at least you need to be prepared to explain why you reached the decision that you made. Whether your church is open or closed, whether you have decided to 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 have a skeleton crew, whether you have whatever it is that you have determined, whatever financial decisions you have to make, whether you're going to go online for the rest of the month, whatever the case may be, you have to be able to explain why people need to understand why you made the decision that you made. And they will they will go with you. Not everyone will be pleased, but every but they will go with you if you explain why. Make sure that when you do explain why that staff and key leaders are also echoing the very same reason that they're not saying a different reason you said you made the decision you made, but that they are they are specifically saying 
the same thing that the leader is saying. For instance, if you make a decision to close your services because of a crisis, because you're going through some different things or the or the where society is 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 in trouble, we're having some issues and you say we're going to shut down for the for this Sunday. Please make sure that your staff, your key leaders are saying the the reason why and they are saying the same thing that you are saying. You don't want them saying, "Well, we closed because we can't of because someone got sick. That's not the reason why. Maybe the reason why is so that you could prevent people from getting sick. That needs to be the message that goes forth. You need to be ready to explain why. A good, effective leader is always willing to explain why. The last thing we want to focus in on for effective communication during a crisis is you need to be able to offer hope. No one wants to be the bearer of bad news. Typically, the only people who want to bear bad news are people who are gossips and busybodies. Christian leaders are good at delivering the good news of Jesus Christ. We tell about the good news of Jesus Christ. We tell about the good news of living a life for the Lord and living in this kingdom or for his kingdom. But sharing bad news is another thing. We we struggle with that sometimes. But a crisis situation is actually an opportunity to practice what we preach. We have an opportunity to remind people that trouble will not last, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. We are able to tell people that God is able to give us peace even in the midst of chaos. Guess what's happening? We are able to put those things in motion, in practice, what we have preached to them every Sunday. There are things that we can do, things that we can share with people, even in the midst of chaos, that offer hope. I am encouraged by what I am seeing, how I'm seeing the church respond in so many different places across the world. The church is rising up, which is what the church is good at doing. In the midst of adversity, the church rises up. We can offer hope. We can offer encouragement. For instance, the schools are shut down and the schools are saying we're going to feed the the students because we recognize that there are some students who their only meal comes from the school system. So you see churches that are even volunteering. Is there a way for us to help? Can we come and help serve? And some churches are even going as far as to help deliver food to children who cannot get to those schools. That's the church rising up. That's hope even in the midst of hardship. That's the type of the approach that we need to take and make sure we are communicating to our congregants that, yeah, there's hope even in a, in a dark time. There's a silver lining behind those dark clouds. And even in the midst of this chaos that we are experiencing right now, Church Unfiltered simply means that we communicate with our congregation. We explain to them, we, we first of all acknowledge the crisis. We consider all options. We don't rule people out and say, your opinion and your thoughts are not relevant. We consider all options. Then we are clear about our decision and we articulate that to our key leaders and our staff and our volunteers. And we stand by what we decide. And we have to be willing to explain why. Why did you come to that decision? Why did you make that decision? And we'll be willing to explain, this is why we made that decision. 
But then we as the church, we have an opportunity to offer hope that even in the midst of this darkness, the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ can shine through and shine victorious. We don't know what lies ahead, what days, what, the, what lies ahead in the days coming. We don't know, but we can offer hope. We can offer hope in this, that we don't know what the future holds, but we put our trust in the one who holds the future. We're praying for you here at Church Unfiltered Breakthrough Ministry Consulting. Uh, we are looking forward to sharing the testimonies of the churches as they endure this crisis moment. But remember those five steps, those five tips for communication during a crisis. And let's not forget that the best communication we have is that we can pray unto the Lord. We have the opportunity to communicate with the very God of the universe. God bless you and God keep you as our prayer. Thank you for joining us at Church Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Church Unfiltered with Dr. Anthony Cobbs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. For more resources related to today's topic, visit churchunfiltered.com or follow Dr. Anthony Cobbs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.